Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Husky Hockey Podcast. And, you know, Andrew, I'm going to do something a little bit different here just to kick off this show. We're going we're gonna to hop in the okay. Wayback Machine. All right. That's yep. uh, getting nope. in the DeLorean. That wasn't Wayback Machine. That wasn't Rocky and Bullwinkle, right? That was Peabody and Sherman, right? That was the Wayback Machine. That let's go. Let's go with it. <laughs> All right. That's so. So we're gonna go back. I'm, I'm gonna throw out a name, and you just give me the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Okay. Jeff Frazy. What comes to your mind uh, when you hear Jeff Frazy? Oh, obviously, I know the what evoked that memory, <laughs> uh, and it evoked that for me as well. Uh, let's say the um, I, I think it was Brett Borgen that's that scored the goal on him in St. Cloud. Yep. But I'm gonna more think the uh, the Lucia uh, death stare. The death stare. Uh, <laughs> which it sent him to hockey's equivalent of Siberia um, because he never saw another minute. Well, I, I, it, the Borgen one might've been cause it, I was at that game. If you yep, remember, I was at that game too. They scored, they scored one from half ice or whatever it was. Yep, Borgen scored from a lot of half very, ice. Yeah. Okay. And then someone else scored right at the end of the first period, but it was a little too late. I think that was, was like a second yep, after the buzzer. I think that was Stevenson. I think that was Matt Stevenson. Okay, I, I I knew Borgen was involved in one of those, yep. um, and and yeah, uh, and w- was that Kangas that was, or Patterson? That was Kangas. So that was like his launching point. Yeah, that was he, his. He yeah, he was a starter for like two years plus mm-hmm. after that. Which I because of all of this, it it you know, I I think in our first iteration of the podcast when. We brought up Frazee, and we were in the Wayback Machine again. And you were talking about how he didn't see another minute of ice after that. And that kind of blew my mind at the time. I totally forgot about that. That was his last college hockey memory, was that Lucia death stare as they're crossing up. That death stare was so harsh, nowadays it'd be a protocol violation. Because everybody could sense in the building what, what the issue was. And that was a, that was even a goal that didn't count because it came after the whistle. Um, I think just, they like reviewed it too. It was yeah, it was close. Yeah, like another probably half second, and it would have counted. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I always thought that in the short aftermath of that, I was thinking, okay, he's going to like transfer to Anchorage and end his college career there. But no, it, it that was just it. Yeah. I don't know if we ever, if he ever played a minute of hockey period after that for all I know. Uh, it was quite the, uh, quite the turn uh, for Mr. Frazee there. So I looked at uh, Kangas's stats for that year. He's a good guy. I mean, he played very well against the Huskies. Huskies yeah. struggled to beat him. Yeah. Um, I think there was only one person who really could score consistently against Kangas, and I think that might have been Garrett Rowe. It would have been right there, because I think of that next year, that was what the 07-08 year, the 
Crazy's Last Stand. And I think it was the next year after that, the 0809 year, I think is when the Gophers beat him six times. They played him in the playoffs as well. I think they went 6-0 against him, and it, I'm sure I would be willing to bet at least that Kangas got all six wins uh, in that series. Right. So... Yeah, Frazee didn't... I bet yeah, either didn't. it was either Roe or Lash that scored the most on him because that's who was scoring most of St. Cloud's goals in those years. I mean, that's true. I think it was Roe because I want to say him and Kangas had some history. Like, I think they both played at in the USHL on the same team. Yeah. Junior, so, yeah, like that exactly. Yeah. So I think they like I think, and then I think Garrett Rowe had some kind of a jab at him in the paper, like I know how to beat him or something like that. It was it was kind of because I think they both played for Indiana. I want to say at the same okay. time, so it's like, yeah, but I know what we'll, he's we'll go with it anyway. That that's yeah. the story I'm going to go with. And Garrett Rowe, please uh, let us know and correct me if I'm wrong. And please do. So anyway, that year, Kangas had a 930 save percentage and a 1.98 goals against, according to collegehockeystats.net. His record, his record, 12, 10, and 9. Like, I couldn't fathom. Yeah, it was a weird fathom. era for, for the golfers there. I fathom having those good of numbers and that record. Like, how frustrating must have that been for, for Gophers? It would have been on sort of the tail end of defensive domination in hockey. You know, this isn't too, too far away from the Wisconsin Brian Elliott sort of two to one, one nothing games. Yeah. So maybe it was, I would be willing to bet that the average goals against that year was like a half goal or better like than this year uh, across the board, just because I think scoring is up now in, in, in this era. Mm-hmm. So maybe the stats didn't set him apart as much as it would today. But sure. still, whatever area you're in, sub two goals against is... Nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, exactly. So, and obviously, the whole reason you know this all really started with um, North Dakota against Minnesota, and Robbie right. Bina scored from pretty much the same spot where Brendan Bushy was. Um, from what I remember, Borgens was more in mid ice. Borgens was actually but- like more, like I would say, halfway between the blue line and center ice. Like it was. It was one you should have stopped, and it was far out. In the neutral zone. In the neutral zone, right. yeah. But, yeah, Bushy's was from, I just checked, I my memory was it was a little bit closer to his own blue line. But, no, it was right about at the dots. Yeah, it was at the dots, which is where Robbie Bino was. So, what is that, 120 or 180, 180 feet? I would say, yeah. Probably, yeah. Yeah. So well, one one hop ground, ground ball past shortstop. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's a home, home run in the, uh, in the box score. It gets by Buckner. You know, it uh, it happens. So behind the bag, <laughs> it gets through Buckner. So, um, 
anyway, uh, maybe a little bit of bearing the lead here. Uh, Huskies sweep Colorado College and over at uh, Robson Arena. And, um, you know, first game, three to one final. And uh, second game was a little more of a boat race, trouncing by the Huskies uh, of, of a five rip. So, um, just uh, overall, kind of what were your thoughts on the games, uh, the series, and uh, how the Huskies played? Good weekend, as we mentioned last weekend. Uh, you know, we would have been we would have been frustrated with anything short of six points. And that Friday game was 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 dicey at times, defensive struggle, uh, and but Huskies were able to pull it out in the end, an uh, ugly win, but a win nonetheless. That Saturday game, pretty cl- pretty clear, you know, five minutes in, I just had a good feeling about that one. After they scored the first goal, it's kind of like a floodgate situation, mm-hmm. and three in the first period to Chase and Barrico. I thought played good on on Friday. Um, yeah, not not counting the the one hopper, um, but uh, chasing him and really, I mean, after the second goal, it was just like, yeah, how ma- how many are they going to get? Was really the only question. Yeah, just a dom- dominating performance. A, a good example of a game where shots on goal can be a deceiving stat. I mean. I, I was surprised to look at the end of the game and see that CC had the shot advantage. Yeah. I mean, there's no point in that game that's, that St. Cloud was not in complete control of that game. So if you want to get a good read on a hockey team or a hockey game, just looking at the shots on goal isn't going to do the trick, at least in, in this case it, it wasn't, because it didn't, it didn't paint the picture uh, that, that St. Cloud was really in control. So that was good to see. It's, uh, you know, CC... I mean, better from a defensive uh, standpoint in years past, like on that Friday game especially. You know, St. Cloud historically really had their their way with Saint, with uh, CC, especially in Saint, uh, Colorado Springs. Lots of lopsided affairs in St. Cloud's favor. Uh, and CC was able to tighten that up on Friday. I thought played a, a good good defensive game. St. Cloud was limited in their chances. Uh, and Embarico, I thought, played, like I said, strong, save for the one sort of bad goal that he gives up. And, uh, you know, it needed to step up there at the end. I mean, the first two goals, the, the, the goal for St. Cloud, the bushy goal, and then the goal that CC scored basically put in by the Huskies, the only goal that St. Cloud gives up on the weekend. Uh, and... So you kind of wash those two out. Not not great goals either way. And well, they were both just, just kind of lucky bounces. And so it's it kind of evened itself out that way. I mean, Bushy's hits, you know, puck kind of on end, and then uh, Roseboro diving, trying to break up the pass, ends up deflecting into his own net. So I mean, both of those were just kind of lucky bounces, evened himself up, and uh, that's. I, I, how I viewed that is like, okay, we got one, you got one. Who's going to step up and really take the reins in this third period for the Huskies? And it, uh, good offensive push there from the Miller line, scrubbing the net, loose puck, and it's, uh, Dylan Amherst, um, who steps up at the end. Uh, and, and they needed someone to step up. 
and Amherst it was. Uh, and uh, really needed, really needed that one. And uh, icing it with a with an empty netter late in the game. Amherst is what we're from Zach Okady. Um, I'm just I'm I'm going by what the professional uh, PA announcer was saying. You know, good games from very mitting your mum. And um, I actually did think that uh, Kendrin Yami did play very well. He was very apparent to me on Saturday. Yami played a good game. Kendrin Yami, that is, played a good game. Um, and so it was a good weekend in the Springs and a continued domination of this team helped me out on this one. So by my count, 17 game win, uh, uh, unbeaten streak for the Huskies in Colorado Springs, 16, Oh, and one, the one game being a tie and a CC win in a shootout in February, 2020. We're not counting that towards the streak, though, are we? We're not counting a shootout win as tainting a 17-game unbeaten streak for the Huskies because it's you know it's a pairwise tie. CHN lists it as a tie in their schedule uh, results from that year, so I'm going to go with it. Have not lost a real a, a full loss in CC since February of 2013. That's in the WCHA days. So yeah, get that. This streak that the Huskies have of, of dominance in Colorado Springs spans two conferences, uh, three CC coaches, two St. Cloud coaches, uh, three U.S. presidents. <laughs> you can have a lot of fun there with what, you know, if it was February 2013, that would have meant that it spanned my entire time on Twitter. I got my Twitter account in like October of 2013 and then ended it a few years later. So in that entire span, my Twitter presence uh, arose and died. Lots of time, lots of things have changed in, in the last you know, nine plus years. One thing hasn't changed, though. St. Cloud has never lost a real loss in CC <laughs> since that time. And I went back to that uh, box score in, in 2013. Yeah, had some fun, you know, Brodzinski had a couple of goals, Ryan Farragher, just some of the names. I did get a chuckle, though. The two officials, Marco Hunt and Derek Shepard. Back-to-back <laughs> weeks now for both of those uh, refs to get a reference on this podcast. So I know we're in the Wayback Machine. We're, we're taking the DeLorean back Oops. here again yep. to, to the old WCHA days. Let's get the TARDIS out. But good, yep, good old Marco Hunt. Well, we get up to a two nothing lead. Uh, score two goals in what is that? Seven, eight, nine, ten, ten seconds apart. Brodzinski and Prokno in the first. CC scores well four minutes later, and then in the third period they scored three state straight. Ah, that that's frustrating all over again. And that was in their old building too, so it's it spanned a couple of different. CC two arenas. arenas. Yeah. So. Oh, nice. But as getting back to this weekend, a good weekend of hockey. Like I said, just the one goal allowed in the two games and that one directly off the stick of Rosboro. So great goaltending. I thought by the two goaltenders, CC kind of helped them out offensively. I, they, they remind me offensively. They sort of remind me of Wisconsin. Um, not a good comparison if, if you're a college <laughs> hockey team, um, but in that you never they, want to be compared they, to Wisconsin. N- Current Wisconsin. Never a good idea. 
Who did survive Lindenwood. So. Did survive, just barely. <laughs> Even uh, scored on their own that. net. That happened also in the Western Duluth Duluth game. game well. It was a weird, weird, weird I goals were scored on Wisconsin, that Friday. <laughs> Wisconsin had that happen. I don't know if it was. It, it, it happened in the Gopher-Wisconsin game last year. I can't remember which team put it in their own net. That used to be like a once-a-decade play, and now we're thinking of three in the last year that it's happened. So I'm hoping that never happens to St. Cloud. I've never seen that happen in either I direction. I can't remember if it was last year Huskies. or two years ago, but I do remember because I want to say Cole Caulfield was out on the ice for that. I I, I know that it was last year against the Gophers because I was watching it here with Oh, my dad. gotcha. Um, it may have happened before. It, it, we're talking Wisconsin, so <laughs> it's definitely in the in the realm of possibility that it's happened on a yearly basis there. That's true. Especially lately, but uh, where were we? Uh, own goals here. It, it's distracted me here. Oh, Rosberg yeah, CC's yeah. Uh, CC's offensive pressure sort of reminded me of Wisconsin in that you know they were generating some chances, but a lot of times they would help the Huskies out by effing it up on their end. And uh, and Caster I thought played great. Uh, obviously Bassey with a shutout second of the year. On Saturday, uh, in his revenge tour of goaltender of the week, NCHC goaltender of the week, Bassy was. Mm-hmm. Feels like Caster just—he's probably sitting there going, "What the hell do we got to do here?" <laughs> I mean, I know his stats aren't as good, and I was the guy last week saying that Bassy should have started both <laughs> not, of these games, but not give a ton up to Quinnipiac. <laughs> Back, you know, past uh, history, I guess, is is his big. Uh, Sorry, that was, that was you know, that was get that, get that, that was unfair considering how well he's been doing this year. Yeah, no, and so you know, CC tightened the game up defensively on Friday, not so much Saturday, but on this year, they seem better in, in that area of the game. But just they they need some scoring. I mean, they were fortunate last week to get some points out of Miami, get five points out of Miami, just scoring what three goals on the weekend. Mm-hmm total in the, in the two games. Uh, uh, I, I don't really see a ton of improvement from this CC club. I think Iberigo is a good goaltender. I mean, he plays a little loose, you know, he's that, that, that the winner on Saturday was another play. He, he lost his stick a couple of times in the game. There's one sequence where he like lost his glove or his blocker too. Yeah. It was able to recover and make a save. So he, he seems like an active uh, goaltender in that regard, like he's he's willing to to move around and make some you know risky plays and selling out to make saves. So I think he'll be able to steal you some wins. Um, you know he's better goaltender than well, I was going to say maybe maybe not. I was going to say he's better goaltender than what they've had in the past, but the one they had last year, at least one of them, Bassey, is <laughs> is now uh, aces for St. Cloud. Uh, so, but I think he's, he's a decent uh, goal, goalie for him. And yeah, I mean, I, we just keep hearing that Mayotte is this uh, recruiting whiz and thinking that they should improve. I mean, who knows though? I mean, that, that Saturday game reminded me of some of those other games, the games that I attended there in the Springs, nine to three, seven to one, six to one, just reminded me of those kind of boat race games where, uh, it was a men versus boys, uh, sort of uh, sort of game so good to see the huskies take care of business against a team that they should have um 
that Friday game, like I said, was a little uh, a little hairy, and I was getting a little nervous there, but uh, we're able to pull it out, and and now you get a you get a week off before you hit North Dakota, or at least host them the week after. So it's uh, good to get the break here, rest up. It's been a good first what seven eight weeks, seven weeks I suppose. But uh, you still got 20 games left, and then the playoffs. You've, you've set yourself up here well for success, though. Mm-hmm. And I think that keep it rocking. And, yeah, so two thumbs up for this weekend uh, from me for this past weekend for the Huskies. Yeah, it was, you know, Friday game. Uh, Brand was out both games. Um, so it got a little bit of a chance. Yeah. For uh, you know, some of the freshmen to kind of get in and, and get acclimated. Um, you know, watching that Friday's game as it was unfolding, I, I never got a sense of panic from the Huskies. Um, uh, you know, we go up ahead on the fluky goal, they get a fluky goal back. But if you know, all throughout this season when we've had these kind of tight chances, I felt like somebody was able to step up. And this time it was uh, Dylan Anhorn who, um, you know, kind of there's that little bit of a scrum, jumped up a little bit. And, you know, if you look at the replay, it was actually like a little bit of a slight hesitation to get the defender to bite a little bit more um, to get a little bit of a better angle and get, uh, you know, just a heck of a shot to, to get us up late in the third. And then once we got that, I'm like, okay, well, I don't see Colorado College scoring because our defense has been so impeccable this season. And I thought on Friday, and then it continued on the Saturday, that Colorado College just doesn't have the offensive output. I I, I just don't see it. So it's you know, seeing that we were able to kind of yeah, maybe it was a little bit tighter than it normally should have been or whatnot. Uh, you know, Okabe gets the empty netter uh, to have the Huskies cover because the spread was one and a half. So that's uh, always nice. a good sign when you're able to cover. And it's, but I never, like, it just, it was like they just kind of, they stuck to their game plan. They kind of continued and uh, they were able to uh, end up with the victory. Uh, I was happy with, you know, Dylan Anhorn's goal because, you know, again, that was chaos. That was a little bit of a scrum in front of the net. The puck popped out and we were able to capitalize on it. And even in the the uh, Saturday game, too, there were a couple of other instances where we weren't doing kind of the normal things that we're used to seeing. You know, I could think of like Crookshank's goal on the power play. You know, lately we've been trying to just feed Mietnin on the wing for the one-timer. And I thought on Friday... We kept doing that. I think we had two power play chances, like back to back, and on on Friday's game early on. And I was just like, we kept trying to do that play, and Emberko was standing there waiting for Mietnam to shoot. It was so easily predictable, and I was like, you gotta change it up. You gotta do something. Ingram still with his behind the back passes is a little bit worrisome, but uh, it ended yeah. up working out with uh, uh, with him over the weekend. So, but. Just going back to that, um, how well that defense played. Um, l- looking at it top to bottom, th- this is as good as the defensive. Just 
depth as we've had in an incredibly long time. Obviously, what, you have 1819, I think, that kind of stands out as, uh, you know, a heck of a defensive. But I, I think this just is more defensively sound. There's no, I mean, even the people who are rotating in with Reiners and uh, Zemer and, um, oh my gosh. Riley. What, yeah, like, I think all, all, all of them are, it doesn't matter who we're throwing out there. I mean, we have a captain who is out for this right. series who has been a stalwart defensively, and we just picked up like nothing happened. <laughs> it was, it was, it was awesome to see. And I've, I'm starting to turn the corner on this team, and, and I think I just have to get out of that mentality of, you know, the outscoring type of running gun type thing, like, oh, where's our depth? Where are our forward lines? And look at it, maybe, I hate to say it, more like a Minnesota Duluth in those championship years where we're able to really limit these chances and limit them and just be that stalwart defensive team that is able to capitalize on these chances. And I think that's going to pay dividends a little bit more in the long run. And, you know, because when that offense cools, we saw it with Botsko. Yeah, that, that's when you get that, um, you don't know how to win another way. And this team so far has been able to find different ways to kind of get it done. And it's, I, I hate to like say though, series against Colorado college is the one that's really going to get me on the bandwagon, but it was, it, it was a very encouraging sign to see and goaltenders did great. And I can't rave more about how well this defense played, uh, both Friday and Saturday. No, I agree. Uh, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but I do. I did get a shout out to a defenseman this week for a player of the week for a pal. So, so I I do agree with the defense. My my caveat is I think CC's offense helped a little bit in, uh, making that defensive effort look so good. Um, but I still, can see that this isn't just a one. This is isn't just a one series observation here. I think this has been a season long trend. A Larson long trend. I, I think Larson's mo is a, as a defenseman or as a defensive kind of style of coach. That was at least his kind of reputation coming from Duluth, as you mentioned. Uh, those the first uh, the, the first of the back to back titles that that he was insistent on. So um, that's not surprising, and and it is like you said, Meyer being out, but guys having to step out. I don't even think I don't think Reiner's played this weekend. But he's no. played well uh, in in his action this year. I I, uh, I, I wonder Zemer. if they were going to get him in that Saturday game, but I don't think you could have taken Zemer out. I thought Zemer was phenomenal for a guy who sees limited action. Um, yeah. I thought he was physical at times. I thought he made incredible plays with the puck. You know, that's that's a lot of poise that it takes for a guy who is in and out of the lineup, really to no fault of his own. Yeah, and I guess let's 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 name them all here because I mean Pert, a guy that we've uh, had some issues with over the his tenure yep. so far. I thought he had a really I mean, good he's been, series. Been I cleaning it up, and and you can you can see the sort of player that he's developing into. He was the player that showed us sort of that raw talent last year. He's a he's a puck he's a natural puck handler, a natural sort of quarterback type uh, on the power play and an offensive minded defenseman. And he's cleaning up the sloppiness uh, 
uh, I think. And yeah, I think by the, maybe even by the end of this year, maybe even sooner than that, he's going to have fully formed, fully formed into that. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to be exciting to see the full development of him. If, if St. Cloud gets that version of him, because if, if that happens soon, uh, watch out. Uh, also, Trey Ball, guy that we seem to always forget. He seems to be the forgotten man in this defensive core, but a guy that just rarely makes mistakes. Um, it's easy to kind of forget about him because he, he rarely shows up on the score sheet, but he rarely shows up in your mind as, oh, Trey Ball was the guy that blew the coverage there. That doesn't happen too often, mm-hmm. and that was another sort of representative weekend for him in that regard. Um, and Josh Lutke getting his first goal of the season on Saturday, uh, tipped in by the CC player, I believe, the second goal on on Saturday. But uh, you know, he's a he's a guy cut in that uh, Peart uh, mold, got an offensive uh, mindset to his game, and you know, obviously coming off that that concussion, sent him up for a month. Right at the beginning of the season, he's showed no real ill effects of that. Playing physical, playing aggressive, um, but also not playing stupid either. So, yeah, this entire uh, defensive core is really stepping up. And and as you mentioned, you know, the other question we've had, aside from goaltending too, is depth of scoring. Well, we, we, get, we get the fourth line on the score sheet right off the bat on Saturday with Rodgers getting his first goal, tip from a bushy shot, uh, Pierre also getting a, an assist there. And, you know, the Spalace, I thought Spalacy played pretty good this mm-hmm. weekend. Yep. Um, you know, Rosborough had that play on Friday where tips the, uh, the puck in, obviously, inadvertently, and I think that's a play that he can be coached into avoiding in the future. But, but I think... He's a guy that plays assertively as well. He's he's not playing timid. That's that's not a play that a timid player makes. That's a player that's trying to go out of his way to make a a good play, and uh, that's not something that is necessarily a bad thing. It's just the it's just obviously the result was not good, but um, but I like the effort on it. Let's say, yeah. and uh, and and he's a guy that's only gotten a handful of games this year, but he's playing, showing that he wants to stick in this lineup too. So. Even kind of the bottom six shows up this weekend, too, even though I did think, especially on Saturday, that that uh, Granola, what are we calling him, uh, Kendron, Yami, uh, that line was was excellent, uh, I, I thought. Uh, Okabe with three goals on the weekend, one of those being an empty netter, but uh, but uh, he obviously was all over the score sheet. They were able to camp. Last week, you're talking about cleaning up on, on odd man breaks. You know, there was a couple of two-on-one yep. type plays. One of them, they, it was with the, well, Okabe kind of cleans up the rebound on a two-on-one. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't the, it wasn't the, the, but it was still part of the two-on-one play in the, the aftermath of that. Well, and, and then I believe the, I mean, Miettinen had that shot, but I think Miettinen was yeah. looking to pass it to Okabe, but just didn't have the angle. So I thought Miettinen was like, okay, I'm going to ring it off his pad and, Sure enough, that's what happened, and Okabe was there just to clean it up, and then paid the price for it by getting checked into the crossbar. Right. Yes, he did. But and so, yeah, I I hesitate to take too much out of this because uh, you know CC is still kind of CC. But going into this weekend, this is what good teams do. But you know, it's a, it's a road series. You had to face some adversity on on Friday night. 
you played through it, and you showed CC who's boss on Saturday, uh, really with a game where, you know, like I said, after the first five minutes, it was not in doubt who was going to win that game. So this is a, a series that, you know, tournament Which, teams, they make this kind of statement. Full disclosure, I uh, actually, because that game kind of got out of hand, I did uh, have my tablet set up and one eye on the uh, Wayne State, uh, St. Cloud State uh, volleyball match that was going on because uh, they were in the tournament. So I was watching a little bit of that, which oh. St. Cloud won. But then, oh, wow. yeah, but they lost in uh, round of 16 to. Concordia St. Paul, who they beat in the uh, NSIC championship. So that was kind of a bummer. But but anyway, so really just quick divergent here. So shout out to the uh, women's uh, women's volleyball. Of course, it's women's volleyball. <laughs> shout out to the volleyball team for St. Cloud State for having just a heck of a season, heck of a run. But um, yeah. Yeah. I, I did not know that. I, I wish I would have been uh, alerted to that. Oh. I, I, I like me some volleyball. I, I love watching volleyball. Volleyball is so fun. It's so tense. I think it's, it can be like some of the most intriguing. Ten- it's like, I think it's, I think it's like football on steroids when it comes to in the intensity. Cause like, there's some football that has steroids in it though. <laughs> so maybe that's not the, the best. Um, Fair enough. Analogy. Fair enough. That's a good point. I don't know, but just but, uh, like, when, kind when, of the start and stop nature of, Oh, volleyball no, is a lot more intense than the start and stop nature of football. That's the point that I was trying to get at. After one of the uh, Omaha trips, we went to a bar that's uh, that was close to the CenturyLink right downtown. Place was packed. This was after the Omaha game, so this would have been you know nine ten o'clock. We're just like, why is this place old to the gills? It was a large bar too. Uh, it was packed for the uh, um, Nebraska volleyball game in like the NCAA tournament. I'm going to say it must have been somewhere on the West Coast, so that's why it was like a late game. But like the entire bar was was there cheering on, and I don't even care what's the sport in a scenario like that. But volleyball, I like it. I like anyway. I, I like volleyball in itself, but it's very easy to get hooked onto the action if you got the entire bar sort of (laughs) behind it so it was really fun just kind of watching watching uh nebraska volleyball uh that that one random night back in what 2014 or 15 or whatever it was so yeah i yeah i go huskies woo i yeah i'm sorry i missed the the tournament run anyway what were we talking about I think we're talking about hockey. Hockey? All right. I think so. I was just looking here, looking at the stats, and I'm kind of surprised to see actually Zemer's been in 10 games so far this year. I would have I would have gone less than that. But anyway. I'm going to say that, so- that sounds right. You know, I'm, I'm going to trust the stat, I, I guess, there. <laughs> there was a couple of games where it seemed like Reiner's had sort of taken over for him. I think he got both of the games in Denver uh, mm-hmm. and maybe the Bemidji series as well. I do remember there was a game where, where Zemer, maybe it was the first Bemidji game, maybe that Zemer didn't look very good. And that could have opened the door for Reiners for, for some extended action. But And I'm sure we're 
we haven't seen the end of Reiner's. Yeah. Obviously, haven't seen the end of guys like uh, Meyer and um and Wiley too. Um. So uh, yeah, it's the, the fact that he got more than enough uh, capable defensemen here. It's a good problem to have. Yep. Only change. Um. Uh, was that uh, Molinar, uh, who played on sa- on Friday, didn't get uh, didn't dress on Saturday, got switched out for all coin. Um, but like you said, I mean the depth against the CC squad, we did what we needed to do. Um, this was six points that were needed to kind of keep pace with. Really, I mean Denver, <laughs> um, they're kind of running away with things right now, and really have a incredibly soft schedule here coming up until they, I mean, you can make the argument with how North Dakota's playing, but I won't get into that yet. Um, but it's, um, it's, it, it's, a it, it was a good weekend to just be like, Hey, here's, here's what we need to do and able to pass with flying colors. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting more and more on board with this team and, um, goaltenders again they played excellent i think is just it was just a solid week all around so you're saying you're giving your go huskies woo player of the weekend you're giving it to a defenseman i'm giving it to a defenseman i'm going to be shocked if we all three have the same defenseman but let's see go ahead with your pick yeah and it's not based on the goal because i don't think that was obviously the best goal in the world, but oh my gosh! Even without that, I was going to give it to Bushy. We are all going to give it to Bushy, aren't we? <laughs> That's awesome. And I did, I did have to think. Yeah, you know, I, I had to think about it because you know, obviously Okabe was on Okabe. my mind. Cronulla, uh, I think, was had, on my mind. Cronulla had, I think, four assists on the weekend. Who? Oh, yeah, Kendron. Kendron. Yami. Kendron. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I thought he was he was very good, but I feel like you know. I feel like I've given, I know I've given Okabe. I think Okabe was my player of the weekend last weekend. Was he not? Or no, Crookshank was. Crookshank had another good weekend. Yep. I mean, coming back to CC, getting that nice snipe goal. Getting that nice snipe. And then uh, also the emotion of his celebration, I thought was really interesting. Like, it was, you could tell it meant a lot to him to score against his old team. So I, yeah. I, I found that kind of interesting that he would... Uh, that he cranked that celebration, I think, up to 11 on that one. I, I guess I didn't see if if Bassey did a uh, lawnmower pull uh, after the the final buzzer on on Saturday. Who, but who did make some but, excellent but, saves in the third period? Yeah, but betcha that one was especially sweet. Yeah. Sweeter than I'd say that from Crookshank's perspective. Of like, I think there was more potential. Uh, animosity with mm-hmm. with Bassey because I think there's the argument that he was kind of pushed out with Embarico coming there. Whereas I think Crookshank kind of left on his own volition and he was getting top six minutes there when he yeah. was with St. CC. C- 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 I don't, it's not even like when, when Crookshank went to the Gophers, got buried in the line chart there. I don't think he had the same sort of possible resentments towards CC, but I think Bassey might've had a chip on the shoulder. And so I'm sure that that uh, uh, felt pretty good to not only get the shutout, but, you know, they chase Embarico after one on Saturday in that game. So uh, nice game for Dom. Uh, nice game for, for all the boys. Did you want to say anything particular about Bushy? I mean, 
we had the we had the the one hopper that we've said, mm-hmm. um, and also starting that play on Saturday, the first goal, he gets the shot that is tipped in by Rogers. So a guy that's generally not an offensive minded guy, and even early in the year, I was kind of uh, not a huge fan of him trying to make too much offense out of his game. He's better just as a stay at home defenseman, but he brought that this weekend. I think that's his trademark, and. Um, you know, with Meyer out, he's kind of the elder statesman on on the blue line uh, during Meyer's injury. Maybe a de facto captain of that unit uh, with with Meyer uh, sidelined for now. So uh, I, I do think that he's a guy that that the other, especially younger defensemen, uh, can learn from, and and I think that showed through. Um, he's uh, he, he's a good, solid player, yep. and. And just like the, I, I could have given it to Ludke. I could have given it to Peart. Could have given it to Anhorn. Yeah, any you know, uh, Amherst. Could have given it to <laughs> any of these, any of these guys. And uh, and it would have been, I would have been singing a lot of the same praises here. So this uh, defensive unit definitely does deserve the plaudits that it's uh, that we're throwing it right now, and hope they keep it up. Yeah, and. I also want to point out there was one big quote unquote save block shot that Bushy had in Friday's game too. Yeah. Um yep. that that really kept uh you know kept St. Cloud. It was still tied, yep. I believe. Yep, it was tied it was still tied at that point, but he made, you know, just really sacrificed his body. And I think it's funny because that's that's Gohussie's woo, that's his pick as well. Um is Bushy. He did get also defenseman of the week. Uh Bushy did. So um, yeah. And I thought I was actually going to be a little bit alone on this one because there were so many good choices that we could have picked. Um, and the fact that all three of us kind of came to the same conclusion and maybe for me also was a little bit of, when am I going to give it to Bushy? Because he's right. not going to be that standout guy a lot, but he definitely deserves some praise. Um, you know, and kind of in the same line as Trable who deserves some praise too. Cause I thought that Trable Zemer pairing, I thought that was, Excellent all weekend. I like, I mean, we talked about how Peart probably had his best weekend and talking about how Bushy is a little more of that stay at home. Peart, maybe a little more run and gun. You can have that kind of a nice balance there between the two. So, yeah, it's, again, we got this off weekend coming up. Uh, Meyer gets some rest. <clears throat> Who do you sit? Like, where where do you go? I'm... I, I feel yeah, like I said, good problem to have. Yeah. And, and, you know, that'll be worked out with, between the players in the practices with the coaching staff. It, 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 it helps to create a good atmosphere here, I think, because it's a c- competition between the guys, a friendly one, obviously, but they're going to have to step up their game in order to impress uh, the people that they that, that need to be impressed in order to pencil their name in the lineup, yep. and so, I, and when you ha- when Wiley and Reiners and Zemer and these guys, the guys that are the candidates to sit, I mean, Meyer is going to play every game that he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Bushy, Trayball, uh, these are going to be the guys that are going to be playing every game. But for the fringier guys, uh, expect when they are in the lineup to take that opportunity and make the most of it. Uh, that's what we've been seeing so far. And I, I don't see any reason to doubt 
that that's going to be the case going forward. So I, I like that, how that uh, instills a bit of uh, competition between the players. And I think the same is true for that you know, bottom six forward set, which we do see a, a fair amount of, of cycling through different players there. Uh, similar there where it's like, you know, okay, Rogers scores his first goal. You know, now that, that, that's another sort of bar for guys like a coin and Rosborough to sort of, they got to clear that bar now. And hopefully that is a good thing for this team and a good thing for the chemistry too, that they're accepting the fact that they may not be in the lineup every, every game, but not that don't take it personally, but, but give it, you know, take it as a, as a motivation and also to support the, the teammates that are, are in the lineup for that game. So, I, I like it, and it, it seems to be working. And you can't have enough, especially defensemen. You can't have enough good defensemen. So, uh, yeah, I can't say enough about how well this unit has has, has performed so far. Um, you know, Dylan Anhorn right now tied for second amongst defensemen in scoring with 15 points uh, on the year in 14 games. Uh, only uh, one ahead is uh, from North Dakota, who we'll see. Um, not this coming, but the following, uh, Chris Jander. So he's got 16 points. Really? So yeah, 15, um, tied here with Jackson Lacombe from Minnesota. So that's kind of where he's sitting at nationally. Um, one, one more thing kind of, I want to put a pin in, uh, for this, um, you know, CC series. And it was just, I felt like St. Cloud, like we stayed on our toes, but we were able to anticipate the play a little bit more, you know, when we, we were able to always, you know, we weren't really caught out of position very often. We were able to really kind of dictate the play, but also know what CC was going to try to do. And we were able to counter that. And and, uh, that kind of foresight gave me a lot of, good energy through throughout the series and really how I'm feeling about this team. And as I'm kind of shaping my mind, I'm really starting to believe that uh, this, this team has the structure to do some really good things here throughout the rest of the season. So I'm, I'm, I'm all in and I'm, I'm really enjoying the ride so far. Yeah. Are you, uh, where, where is your, you know, my, my, my Husky meter percentage meter. Let's put it at like 80 587%. I mean, you had mentioned a question that we had. I was sort of doing the math as well. I mean, so this is 11 wins right now for the Huskies. They've got, as I said, they've got 20 regular season games left, guaranteed at least two more in the first round of the playoffs. So 22 uh, games at a minimum until selection Sunday. Um, yeah, just going 11 and 11, let's say, even though there was, there was going to be ties and overtime results mixed in there. But if, if you just go 500, you're at 22 wins. We can go I think a pretty... six, eight, two, four, one, and four <laughs> or, or whatever. And that might get you in. I mean, as I mentioned, the NCHC not being as strong this year, you know, last year, what was the Huskies final record? They didn't win 20 games last year, I don't believe. 
Um, and that was largely attributable. Yeah, 18, 15, and 4. That's counting the Quinnipiac game. So 18, 14, and 4 in the regular season. You're not going to be, I don't think you're going to be able to get into the tournament with a record like that in this year's NCHC. No. Because you, you had five teams get in from the conference last year. So just the, the strength of schedule is just jacked up much more. I mean, look at Duluth coming into the, was it the coming into the playoffs that they still had the opportunity to fall under 500? Yeah, they could. Or at s- least it was the last, it was at least the last season or last series of the year right before the playoffs. Yeah, series. So. That was that was my dream that they'd be Wisconsin Dell. Right. right. And and not only that, you know, but they win the playoff series, then win the tournament, uh, and then get a the fifth overall seed in in the tournament, you know, two weeks from being right basically a five hundred team. So you're not gonna be have the, the luxury of being eighteen, fourteen, and four and being pairwise solid. But Right now, let's just say you go 11 and 11, that puts you at 22 and 14. That's probably going to be good enough. Doesn't really even matter how the wins are split up between the Miamis of the world versus the Denvers or the North Dakotas of the world. That'll probably be enough. Um, if you just, you know, you, you, t- you win four games against Miami, you win two against CC, and then you split against everybody else. You know, that's going to be 24, 25 wins. You're probably, you might be like looking at a high two or maybe even a low one seed there. So I do think that this, at this point, it would probably take a pretty sizable collapse for the Huskies to, to, to miss the NCAAs, which I don't, maybe that's, maybe I'm too early to that, or maybe that's just the pairwise is flawed because the, you can say that 14 games into a 34 game regular season and be this confident that the Huskies are going to make the tournament just based on math. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. Uh, I'm fairly confident that they're going to make the tournament. Like I said, it would have to take a lot of losses here and to some unexpected opponents. I want that on Um, a t-shirt of, I may be wrong, but I don't think I am. Like I like uh, that Huskies line. logo. Yeah, right. Exactly. Our Huskies hockey podcast logo that we definitely have. But so you have my my take. What what what's your take on it? Like you you've been sort of bearish on this team, or or let's say not bearish, but Tepid. hesitant to <laughs> to fully commit yes. to this team. Like well, where are you, where are you feeling? What are you feeling? Right I mean, now? maybe if you were to say I was at sixty percent before this weekend. You know, yeah, I'm I'm closer to 89 <laughs> now. Wow. So I've a 30 up. point jump, 30 point over jump C- over a C- due C- to a CC sweep. I know. I'm I'm going I'm going Pete Rose head first here in into all of this. <laughs> but bowling into Ray Fossey. Yep, exactly. Right now, that's good. So that's good. Um. Anyway, how this kind of you know for one of the questions go huskies woo asked you know just kind of also breaking down that math about that you know 22 games left in the the selection even if we go about 500 um you know it's hard to think that we're not already in uh, barring any sort of doll stall which um you know it was kind of uh defining times of uh uh craig dolls you know, last few years here where we'd have a solid beginning of the season and things just kind of went off the rails. So, um, 
And yeah, that's, you know, maybe it's a flaw. Maybe it's a bug. Maybe it's a feature of the pairwise that you can be this confident. Um, you know, we have a good enough, I think, out of conference schedule um, where we're able to play solid teams um, and get solid results. Got solid results against Mankato. Were, were we, though? I mean, it's really just Mankato right now. I mean, Bemidji's like mid-20s. Uh, and that might be kind of where they end up. I don't expect them to be much better than that. And then you have the Gophers. That series hasn't been played yet. So I guess, and that probably will be fine for yeah. their strength schedule, just having the Gopher and the Mankato series, because they're both those are both probably tournament teams. But, you know, St. Thomas, that series isn't going to help you. The Wisconsin series is not going to help you very much. Bemidji, um, you lost one of those. So, well, we get those comparisons it, against Lindenwood. So, I mean, that's going to be... It's true. Yeah, and, and this is a murderer's road non-conference schedule compared to something like, I don't know, Penn State. Exactly. Um, or or you know, someone like that. So, yeah, not complaining. Uh, and But, yeah. And that, I hope that's not their mindset. Like, hey, we can just take it easy and play 500 the rest of the way. Yeah, no, let, let's, let's hit the pedal of the metal here. Uh, and you got an opportunity, like, North Dakota is sitting out there. I'm talking about being frustrated that we're not going to get Duluth here when they kind of look to be primed uh, for a beatdown. Look at North Dakota right now. Yeah. Just losing to Miami. Uh, you know, them coming to St. Cloud has been just a, basically a guaranteed split for decades now. Like, would we? You know, it's close to my birthday. The, the weekend would be the weekend after the Miami series, I suppose, but how about we get an early birthday treat here for Andrew and, and sweep the, the green, right. uh, the green bastards. Uh, that would be great. And not only because it's sweeping North Dakota, but it's North Dakota's again, not been very impressive this year. I mean, I guess that's the question. Who's been the bigger dud this year in the conference, Dakota or Duluth? Cause they've Ooh, both been pretty duddy. That's, that's a good one. Um, I think Duluth has looked worse. Yeah. But I think Dakota had the, Dakota had the higher expectations, I think. But Yeah, over overall nationally, yes. I was a lot more bullish on Duluth than most. Uh, Duluth, yeah. And so to see them struggle as much, I thought they'd just score more. Um and you know, obviously now coming off a weekend where they were able to, you know, kind of put some points up on the board against Western Michigan. But before that, it's it's been like a vortex for them to try to get. It's like pulling teeth. I think they averaged before this last weekend like two point oh seven goals per game. Um, and I thought you know they had some really good recruits coming in, and maybe they just haven't found it. I mean, and to be fair, it's it's tough to adjust. I mean, Ingram is still kind of adjusting right now, and right, um, and uh, he's going to be. I, I still think he's going to be a solid player, so I'm not too concerned about it. But it's it's tough to kind of jump into this league. Um, so, um, yeah, and you know, also remember that we're we do play Denver again. So I mean, that's uh, that's definitely going to help our, um, you know, as far as our pairwise goes. But you know, as long as we're talking about this, and and by the way, you know, I have been king of the let's not talk about pairwise you know you know we don't talk about pairwise and 
at just everywhere on my Twitter feed, I've decided I'm just going to go with it now. I'm not going to be happy about it, but I'm going to stop moaning about it and just kind of, I'm just going to be a salmon just kind of laying there as the stream just washes over me. And I'm just going to go with the flow. So fine. I'll talk well, about pairwise. You know, we're less than a week away from our magical date of Thanksgiving. After Thanksgiving, it's we that that's the date that we my magic my magical date was always new year's that was always mine okay. because then you get another round usually of some holiday tournament or some more non-conference games you know the gopher series i think is what the 7th and the 8th of january so yes it's a little bit later but you know that's what that was always well, mine yeah. is when the non-conference games ends. i agree but it probably is the best because you need to get the majority of the non-conference and you get a lot, of, a lot of non-conference this weekend. Mm-hmm. And then you get a lot of non-conference end of the calendar year, like new year's weekend. Yep. Last year we did the thing. I think the first weekend in January where we picked the field. I think we should do that again. And let's do that at the same time. Okay. But yeah, I bought the pairwise the thing you got to know is just, it, there's a lot more um, seismic jumps based on wins this time of year. You know, you, you can win a game. You can win a big game. I believe Minnesota came into this Michigan series where they swept Michigan. I think Minnesota was 13, 14, somewhere in there, and now they're up to three. Big seismic jump. If that series was the last Big Ten series of the year, they would have jumped, but it might have been two or three spots rather than 10. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you have like, a, a, I think a Minnesota or a Minnesota Duluth, I think they jumped up maybe 10 points after they beat Western on Friday. And then they fell back five or six points or five or six spots after they lost on Saturday. After the beginning of the year, the new year, those fluctuations are much more muted. You, you only maybe move up two or three spots at most during the weekend. And even that's kind of the thing where people get frustrated later in the year with pairwise where it's like, Oh, St. Cloud beat the number one team in pairwise. We only moved up one. Yeah. Like what the hell? Like, well, that's the thing. The more data points that the computer gets, the the more tame the results are. And the, the movement of the pairwise is much less, uh, you know, jumpy later in the season. So conversely, it's more jumpy early in the season. Yeah. So again, if you look at your team and boy, why did we t- drop 12 spots when we got a win in a, or a loss in a tie, just give it some time. You've only played eight games maybe, you know, so just give it some time and, and, and that's, you just got to factor that in. And that's where people, I think kind of forget about what actually the pairwise is. And it's actually like a one-to-one comparison of you against one other team. Here are some factors that determine whether or not you beat the comparison. So one win or one loss may flip comparisons against five or six teams, which is why you're able to jump so high. And that's why, like you're saying, later in the season, when you beat a top-ranked team or anything like that, that might not flip a lot of pairwise comparisons because, you know, common opponent's record may still be in somebody else's favor or, you know, um, anything else, you know, can kind of factor into that as well. So that, that that's where, you know, pairwise is more than just the RPI. And obviously that's 
the bigger aspect of it, but you know, it, it's 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 really that pairwise wins of other teams on a one to one basis. Do you beat them in these three categories? And that's where I think the uh, the non conference can really affect that because you're not playing as as much. You're playing the majority of your schedule against your conference opponents. So when you're having the comparisons against teams that are not in your conference, those are reliant on smaller samples. Like the Big Ten, for instance, St. Cloud's going to play four games against the Big Ten this year. They've already gone 2-0 and against Wisconsin, and they're going to play two more games against the Gophers. So when you're comparing St. Cloud to, like, uh, let's say Michigan or Penn State or Michigan State or anybody else in the Big Ten, a big factor of how you're matching up with those teams is how you do in those common opponent games. Cause they're obviously going to be playing Minnesota and Wisconsin as well. If you can go four and oh, in those games, St. Cloud can win all four of those. They already won the two against Wisconsin. Let's say they sweep the Gophers. They're going to be sitting really good when compared to the other big 10 schools, because anything less than also running the table against Minnesota and Wisconsin you're going to win, you're going to at least have a good chance of jumping a team like Penn State based on winning the common opponent uh, criterion. So that's why I think the more non-conference action, once that is settled, and by the end of the year, end of the calendar year, end of 2022, the majority of that is going to be over. Mm-hmm. So that's why I do think that, yeah, getting back to your January 1st metric as being the real kind of, this is when pairwise is legit to look at. Still agree with that. But, you know, like I said, the, the CHN guys seem to think that, and they've done some digging data and, and all that, that by the time that Thanksgiving rolls around, you know, the field is for the most part like 90% set. Uh, so I guess I'll trust them on that. And yeah, if you want to look at it, just keep in mind that it's going to be more fluctuating and and more volatile early in the season, and, and it just kind of calms down towards the end of the year. So just you got to keep that in mind. Don't think any one, any one movement of the pairwise after one game early in the season is, is that's the story for the rest of the year. Just keep it all in context and, and just watch the games and have fun. Pairwise is just an extra little tidbit that you can follow along. So, you know, one of the other questions that we got, um, since we're just on the subject, uh, Eric Zamora, um, the the voice of the Norseman, said, uh, how many NCHC teams get in? And that's kind of the big question uh, right now when we're looking at it is, you know, we're just talking about who's the bigger dud so far this season. Is it North Dakota or Minnesota Duluth? I mean, right now it's not looking good for either of them. You know, they they definitely have to make some moves. So, uh, what uh, what say you about how many teams get in? Uh, basically, if you were to pick over under at three, um, you know, are you saying over under or push? It's a good over under because I. That's the thing. I mean, right now I think three point five. I think, and I think 2.5 even isn't. So that's why I got to go three. Usually I like the 0.5s for over under, but. I'm going to go push. I'm going to say right on three. Right now, I would say Denver and St. Cloud are pretty close to locks. 
90%. I mean, we're kind of saying high 80s for St. Cloud and I think even higher for Denver. But then Western, as we've mentioned, after that first weekend, that Anchorage loss does not look good for them. Yeah. And that's going to potentially kill them. And so they're, they're certainly not a lock at this point, although I, I do think they're a good team and I would not be surprised uh, if they make the tournament. Uh, but right now, sitting at 20 in pairwise. So right now, just the, if, if, the, if the field was picked today, we would just have Denver and St. Cloud in the field. Um, and so I do think that there is going to be another team here that's going to merge as an at-large. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was an outside team that wins the tournament too. So I would say three or four. I, I don't think we're going to get two teams. I think there's going to be more than two. Okay. But where I gotta think either where's Western right now in the pairwise? I'm looking at the app, and again, this is the CHN app, so mm-hmm. I, I, this might not be right, but I have them at 20 okay. at the app right now. So I so. the reason I ask is because I just used the customizer for switching that Alaska Anchorage game. Yeah, Western Michigan would be at 13. Right. <laughs> I mean, so I mean, and that's a little bit of early season volatility of the pairwise, but that. So that won't be the same in March, a seven-slot difference. Yep. But that could be a two- or a three-spot difference, and that might be the difference between them getting in and being out. So, yeah, big big loss for them. And But I got to think either one of Denver or, uh, excuse me, one of Duluth or North Dakota is going to turn it around here. Um. And, and 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 in weird play like we expected them and to. in a weird pairwise fashion, uh, that switch puts us to three above Connecticut. Right, because it would have made <laughs> their win over Western look better. Yep, or our loss, or our loss against Western not look as bad. Not look as bad, yeah. In comparison, so so yeah. Uh, but I gotta think. So I'll go. You're going three. And I'm not, I'm not sure what the third team is. Like, can't say Western for sure, and I can't say Duluth or Dakota for sure. I don't think Miami, Miami's not going to get in. CC's not going to get in. Omaha's not. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty confident that those teams aren't. But the other three, I, I think there's one, one spot for those other three schools. And here's how I think it's going to happen. And I don't like to say this. But I'm going to. Dakota is going to win the uh, NCHC tournament? Yeah. Well, this would be a great year for North Dakota not to make the tournament because uh, they they host a regional in Fargo. (laughs) It'd be great if they didn't make that. It'd be at least the second time that they haven't made their own regional. Yep. That was the infamous uh, AIC St. Cloud game. Uh, Be great if... uh, that place was green free. Um, so I'll be rooting for that scenario. It's always just nice to have them sit out a tournament. It'd be nice, frankly, it'd be nice to see Duluth sit out a tournament. <laughs> Wouldn't would not mind that. Um so yeah, my my dream scenario I think would be Denver, St. Cloud, and Western being the three. But I think that I there's there's gotta be, I think. Maybe both Denver and Duluth have to kick it in high gear. And then Western also playing decent and maybe being a factor in the tournament to get four teams in. I, 
And I just don't have the I evidence don't, to, I don't see four. to make me believe that those teams are going to turn it around. Like I said, one of the two teams can turn it around. I, just, I don't know about both. So, but we got the rest of the season to find out. Yeah, and just looking at the rest of kind of some of the other conferences, RIT sitting at 10-2 and two on the season. Atlantic Hockey got, got sneaking to be the, two. Uh, I think they're a little bit down in the fairways right now, though. Well, who else? Right, who else would be? 18. Who's the second? You're getting ahead of yourselves. Who's the second Atlantic team that you like? Oh, whoever wins the tournament. I don't know. Atlantic Hockey may sometimes. Well, RIT might win that tournament. Yeah, but like, what they got to be the uh, they got to be the odds on right now to. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they got to be the clubhouse team. leader. But then all of a sudden, and I am circling out those games that they play against uh, Penn State. You want them to take a game against them, right? No, I think it's this is going to be, I think, an East heavy tournament. Yeah. Uh, right now, Minnesota State, the only team in the pairwise gate from the CCHA. Uh, as we're saying, NCHC might might just get three teams in. Big Ten's going to have a good year, as we mentioned, possible that they could get five teams in. Um, I would doubt that they're going to get that many, though, because Hockey East is having a very good year. Yeah. The thing with Hockey East that's, that's weird that, whereas I think the NCHC is top-heavy, like you got Denver, which I think is an elite team, and then even St. Cloud like right now is in a one-seed position. They're at number four pairwise. Big Ten, I think, is top-heavy. You got some real high-quality teams there. Minnesota, Michigan, and State, you can even lump them in there. With Hockey East, I don't think you have, like, a clear number one in that conference. But what you have is, like, six teams that are all going to be near the top. You just don't have a Denver-type team that's clearly separating themselves from the rest of the pack. But that might, that might help them get a more of a quantity of teams into the tournament. So again, I don't know what their max would be. It's a 12 team conference or is it 11? 11. Um, so I definitely would think it's definitely possible for them to get five or six in, I would think. Um, so it'll, a lot of how the, how much the NCHC will get in probably depends on how well hockey East is doing. If they kind of keep it up and if they sort of take care of the last chunk of non-conference here, that might help them sort of maybe get a sixth team in, which might prevent, you know, either a fifth Big Ten team in or maybe that third or fourth NCAC team to get in. So I do think that they're better than they have been in years past, Hockey East is. So so that might be a, another factor in that uh, as well. Yeah, I feel like and you're, if you're, 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 you're saying to, to fumble. Yeah. You know, I mean, or any of these teams. I mean, UConn, you got to be pretty confident on them right now, just based on if, if we're confident as for, from St. Cloud's perspective, UConn's even uh, been slightly better than them this year. So, got it looks looking good for them. But then you got you know Providence, Miramac, BU, UMass, UMass who's really kind of buoyed by their sweep of Denver, and and that's going to be sort of the opposite of Western losing to Anchorage. UMass is probably going to hang around, even though they're right about 500 right now, six five and one. But they're 
hang around because of those two high-quality wins against Denver. UMass Lowell hanging around Northeastern at 17. So they got a lot of a lot of quantity. I don't know if there's a team that is truly elite out of that group, but certainly got the quantity uh, of teams there. I should say, too, if you're saying, if you're giving up the ghost about everyone's going to... Yeah, I'm fine with talking about pairwise. I definitely think that you're you've qualified yourself for that because you're already bringing up the pairwise editor feature from <laughs> CHN. Once you're bringing that up, it's officially pairwise season. So, <laughs> so it was all a ruse. I just it was. I wanted it was. to be old man yells at cloud. Well, and now it's like nope, that pairwise being- editor. Let's edit everything. Well, that that Western Anchorage game was going to be a game that I was going to play around with the predictor later in the year because I, I did that with uh, Omaha last year. With uh, I think they when they lost to uh, Miami and CC last year because they had a bunch of wins last year, but um, but they had some bad losses too. And if they I think if they would have just lost or if they would have won w- just one of the games against Miami, it was like a two or a three spot jump just for that. And so. Yeah, it's fun to to tweak around with that tool, but uh, usually I reserve that for later in the year, but we're whipping it out here already. uh, Pre-Thanksgiving. Again, might as well Pete Rose, just head first. That's right. You're going to do it. Let's go into it. Um, You know, as any um, results, I know we talked a little bit about some other results um, from uh, from the weekend. We don't have a we don't have anything to to uh, preview. No preview, uh, no. except our Thanksgiving feast, I guess, if you want to. But I think the food stuff maybe already kind of played out. So, food's delicious. We'll just uh, move on from there. Um, so what did you see? I saw um, you know, most of uh, Thursday's uh, Michigan Minnesota illness bowl that they had. Yeah. Might as well have a puke bucket right there on the on the side for everyone that was sick for that series. And then um watched a little bit, you know, it was it was a good weekend for NCHC TV. Um, considering you had a, a game out in the eastern time zone, you had a central and you had a mountain time zone. So you yeah. had everything stacked really, really nice. So um any anything else non conference jumped out to you? Wisconsin survived Lindenwood. Um, so, uh, that, uh, that, that prediction, uh, fell a little bit short, but, uh, it was again, quite the interesting, uh, Lindenwood, uh, experience with the uh, own goal from, they had a lead, had a lead in the third period and Uh coughed it up. Lindenwood Uh did frustrating there. Uh, we got to. 300 minutes plus. Oh, 300 did minutes you get the plus? exact yes, I the did. exact time of of Yale's scoreless streak? Uh I was texting Weldy and I'm sure I was the one that jinxed them, but they were on a they got a 5 on 3 uh basically for a full 2 minutes and uh Cornell almost pulled it uh, almost killed it off. It was like down to 20 seconds, but then Yale did end up scoring on that 5 on 3 and uh got another goal. Uh, in that game against Cornell. Um, and then the following game against Colgate. Back at it. Uh, not in the shutout. They they were able to salvage a garbage time goal there to have an 8-1 to one loss at Colgate. A game where they were down 6 nothing and had four shots on goal through two periods. Um, 
the Colgate goal and the second Cornell goal for Yale in those games were <laughs> even strength goals. Prior to that, they only had one even strength goal in the entire year. Two power play goals, one even strength goal, and then the four shutouts, and then the five on three goal. So we're at eight games played, six goals, one and seven on the year. This is not a good hockey team. This is. So long story short, uh, they bad. Uh, 19 days, four hours, one minute, and 53 seconds between goals. Yeah, and mentioning we got 20-plus games left. I mean, we got, a, we got a full season here. New, I mean, uh, new streak starts now. Let's, let's, right. let's, let's get yeah, to 20. Let's get to 20 days. Uh, they scored with two minutes and 36 seconds left in the game against Colgate. So they're at 236 mm-hmm. of a scoreless streak mm-hmm. right now. So they only got 298 minutes to go <laughs> to, uh, to, to pass their own, their own streak. So keep an eye on that. Yeah. That Minnesota Michigan game. I mean, great timing for the Gophers. Fantilli mm-hmm. is, is out for Michigan. They had like five guys out. They, we're suiting up a third string goalie as a forward during that game. You can tell there's a regime um, change there as well, considering that uh, Pearson would have tried to probably bow out of that game. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about that, but yeah, there's. Uh, yeah, I mean, they said it's virus related. I'm, I'm guessing that's not COVID because if it was, they would have said it was COVID. I. One guy was in the ICU, so it sounded pretty serious. Um, and, and Minnesota, too, having some guys out as well. Their goaltender was out. So sweeping them with their backup goalie, uh, pretty impressive. But that's one where it's just like, All right. boy, it's perfect timing, I think, for the Gophers to pop, play them. Pop, at, at pop quiz. Can you, can you spell that goaltender's last name? So like Bartis Skavich or something? It, I got Bart. I get that part. B A R T. Yep, there you go. Um, don't give that one to the CCPA announcer. <laughs> well, I, don't you want to put that uh, as an answer in one of your crosswords? <laughs> Just yeah, swept good. Michigan. B A R T O S Z K I E W I C Z. J F G. Yeah, it's like an I chart. We're <laughs> uh, just random letters here. It's a mouthful, but uh, impressive for the Gophers. I saw so Michigan State salvaging a split with Penn State. Again, unexpected early season one-two uh, tilt in the Big Ten. Uh, although it's not one, they're not one-two anymore due to uh, Minnesota jumping them in the standings with that sweep. Um, tied up at the top there, top three with Minnesota, Michigan oh. State, and Penn State. And you still got Ohio State is doing okay. Notre Dame's a weird team. Uh, they seem to be like the Duluth of the Big Ten. They had some expectations coming in this year, but not being able to score and kind of being blah. Kind of like how Notre Dame hockey usually is. I guess it's not all that uh, shocking. And then Michigan sitting at six in the conference right now, but you know they got maybe the Hobie favorite on their team as long as he's not out for an extended period of time. So you can't count them out either. 
they got actually a decent series this weekend with Harvard coming in. Harvard undefeated at 7-0, haven't played anybody, but uh, that'll be an interesting series. I hope that maybe I can catch a little bit of that. Yeah, I'm excited to see Harvard but, play somebody. Like, I've heard that team. they have heard that Harvard, a crazy stat that Harvard has the most draft picks of anyone in college hockey. They got 15 guys on the roster that's, that's drafted. I mean, Big Ten's been on, like locking down that stat for basically their history of a conference. You generally don't see, you don't think of Harvard as being no academic scholar or no uh, athletic scholarships. You don't anticipate them to have such a stacked prospect roster, but they have been in the past. And, and yeah, they're an intriguing team that I, would, I wouldn't mind watching them against a, a formidable foe. Uh, which I think Michigan would be this weekend, consider at least if they're healthy. So that that should be an early season kind of a fun non-conference series to uh, to keep an eye on. Harvard has thirteen draft picks. Okay, which is well, yeah, a lot more than I would have expected. I thought I, I thought it hurt. I thought it was fifteen, but uh, it was the CHN guys that said that they had the most of of any other team. I'll take their word for it. I'm. You can fact check that. That could be wrong, but uh, I got that from uh, from the CHN people who are never wrong. So I uh, Minnesota has four. Bow, bow to their. Well, maybe maybe they're just incorrect then. Um, it's it's very possible. It would it'd make more sense. Well, I mean, Minnesota their mobile their mobile app is never wrong. So <laughs> it's true. True. I think we'll, bl- we'll just blame it on college hockey stats. Yeah, exactly. Being dead. That one guy retired, so, so just, therefore everything collapsed, yeah. right? Just erase what I just said. Harvard, <laughs> they only got a couple of draft picks. It's nothing to, no trivia question, nothing to write home about. But, uh, yeah, Miami um, was able to yeah. hang on, I guess is lack of a better term, against um, North Dakota on Saturday's game which uh, kind of was the big shocker. Um, you know, I didn't see a lot of that game because uh, I was uh, not watching, you know, volleyball, actually, probably. But it was, um, you know, very handily, you know, UND in favor of the shots. But uh, Miami got up to a 3 nothing lead, um, you know, fairly early. So or early into the second period. You know, North Dakota, obviously, they were able to battle back, but Miami scores with about six minutes left to go to, to kind of seal it. Yeah. First conference win for Miami. And, you know, North Dakota waxing Miami 7-1 to one the night before. And it just, you know, this North Dakota team is a head-scratcher, and I'm not complaining. Yep, I think I saw online that uh, they're out of the poll and um, Brown's out of the poll. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Uh, they're out of the poll and um, UMD is out of the poll. And it's the first time both of those teams are out since 2014. Don't give me an us show trivia question. <laughs> us show poll trivia question there. Boom, just did. You're welcome. 2014, huh? Yeah. I suppose it's a so sneaky that Duluth has been good for that long, you know, like remember like when Crandall was there, like they were kind of just an average, 
fifth place team. That's the kind of Duluth that I like. You got to remember, I mean, it's, you know, the poll is the top 20. There are 60 teams, so they're in the top third of college hockey. I mean, it's not. Well, I'm trying to think, too, because there was a couple of years that that Dakota missed the tournament. Now, yeah. So, So I'm sure going back to 2014, it's. Duluth has been more consistently in the poll than Dakota is, which I, I don't think you would have thought that 10 years ago, let's say, but it's probably, yeah. It's, so it's, it's probably the, f- the fact of, yeah, I'm just, it's astounding that D- Duluth has basically been ranked for that long. But yeah, as you said, it's just a matter of uh, being in the top third. Yeah. So it's maybe not, and it's the Ustro poll. So, shouldn't so, uh i mean they don't even respect brown anymore cornell's back there though i did see that <laughs> so um yeah anything uh lccha uh mankato uh dropped uh one in overtime uh to northern michigan uh before um, coming back on saturday Uh, this weekend, uh, you know, the Friendship Four in Belfast, North Ireland, with uh, Denmark, Quinnipiac, and UMass and Mass Lowell. So Amherst and Lowell battle. They're 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 dra- they're they're flying a lot of miles for that game to take place. Really, that Dylan Amherst is playing that game. <laughs> And uh, it's a we- that's a weird. I mean, they they played that uh, that Northern Ireland tournament a couple of times. I don't think they have in a few years because of COVID. But mm-hmm. I, I know prior to that, they they went out there, and it's always again a, a random, seemingly a random connect collection of teams. You'd think playing in Northern Ireland, maybe get a Boston team out there. Lowell is close to Boston, I suppose, but. For, I just don't who is I don't know how popular hockey is in that part mm. of the world, and I'm not sure if these are the collection of teams that are drawn people in. But I don't know if it's going to be on ESPN Plus. I'd, I'd be cons- curious to check it out if it is. They are Hockey East and ECAC games, and those are the leagues that ESPN Plus is covering. So I, I guess I haven't checked. I could see if it's lined up to to stream, but I would be. Curious to check it out, right. um, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a long road trip, and they play UMass and Lowell play the very next weekend at one of their buildings at one of their camp. I don't know if it's at UMass or Lowell, but uh, so they don't get a week off after that either. It's like right back at the grind. So uh, that would be, uh, I think, a fun trip, an interesting trip, be interesting. Like we're. Where else would be a like a fun international trip uh, to to play college hockey? Like, go to like you know maybe St. Cloud. They go to like a Finland friend, Finland for <laughs> a fin you know? a friend uh, yeah a Finland friendly. Kendrin Yami presents <laughs> the Finland face off featuring the Huskies. Uh, let's get all the Huskies there. St. Cloud, UConn, Michigan Tech, and uh, Northeastern. The friendship or the Helsinki Husky. Like if you had a yearly tournament holiday. with those four teams and you play after like a dog dish, like a like this is 
I think that would just be awesome. <laughs> Again, get trophies in college hockey. Get 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 the dog bowl. That'd be a And it's not like it's unlike the Ooh. North Star Cup who's Ooh. Their problem was you had five teams to try to get into a four-team tournament. So always one team had to sit out. With the Huskies, you just got the four teams. So perfect math yeah. for a, a tournament. I, I think we should get this done. Let's let's uh, maybe shoot this one up the uh, flagpole. And Give that one to the athletic director that we don't have. That, that, uh, yeah, exactly. Now, I, I do feel like we could call it the dog bowl. That'll be the name of the trophy. That'll be the name of the whole thing. And it could be right in the middle of the college football bowl season. So, I mean, you can kind of play mm. off both things. And I think I think it's a winner idea. Maybe even rotate. And you just, like, rotate. Just rotate it in, between the schools. Between the schools. Or, or are, you thinking, are you thinking like a neutral site? No, I think just rotate it between the yeah, schools. Neutral, neutral site and college hockey? No. Not, not a, good a good idea. idea. <laughs> no, but uh yeah if you have a no i think i think uh all four of those i I think it'd be i i think that's a winner so i, I don't who says no but i do think like i don't know how this northern ireland thing came about and it must be at least somewhat successful for them to do it multiple years um but that kind of opens the possibility of, of where else to do it. And I, I do think Scandinavia is sort of the natural kind of place. If you, if you were looking to do that somewhere, it's not like you're going to go down to Chile and play a college hockey tournament. Like, wait, like Chile uh, bids on the next round of regionals. <laughs> and we had a, the Santiago region yeah. uh, hosted by Penn state. It's possible. Wisconsin. But, um, <laughs> it's Wisconsin and Alabama Huntsville. Right, exactly. So, so yeah, it's, it'd be fun. Yeah. It'd be fun to get some uh, international play. Um, one NCHC series here: Omaha at Denver. Um, should be Denver easily taking care of those uh, games, but uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll see what Omaha throws at them. Uh, and then, yeah, that North Dakota Bemidji State, that's, you know, I'll kind of have my eye on that one just because, you know, we played Bemidji, you know, one game we played, the other game we didn't really show up to. But A couple of other neutral site games, just one-offs, uh, the Madison Square Garden game, which Cornell is generally, I think they've always been a part of that, maybe once or twice they haven't been involved, but usually they are playing UConn this year. So UConn, an opportunity with a, I don't know, somewhat sexy game at Madison Square Garden in the Big Apple, if they can continue their winning ways. And then you have another Nashville game. It must have went somewhat well last year when North Dakota and Penn State played. So deciding to do it again, but we're picking Western Michigan and Northeastern for some reason. I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're not going to get as good of a crowd this year than you did last year with North Dakota playing. Um, but let's hope some of the Western Michigan fans and 
Northeastern fans, for that matter, if they can make the trip down there. Odd, but maybe not as odd as playing in Northern Ireland, but still kind of a head-scratcher why you got those two particular teams involved. But I don't shouldn't be a bad matchup. I mean, it's a rematch from their NCAA game from last year. So be an interesting, interesting matchup there. Well, we also the only other... we have the Mayor's Cup, which is uh, the big tilt between Brown and Providence. So, you know, oh, we're all go. Team Brown yeah, here on, on this, this the unofficial uh, Brown secondary cheerleading squad here at the Huskies Hockey Podcast. Yes. Minnesota at Arizona State. I mentioned to you earlier before the show, I guess. Uh, I, I'm trying. I'd love to go to one of those games. It's sold out and tickets are pretty pricey on the secondary market right now. So I'm. it might be a game day decision if I can get a ticket that's kind of cheap enough. I would love to go, but I, I'm not, I can't make the commitment. That, I can't call it for sure if I'm going to make it or not, but it would be, it would be nice to go to that one of those games. You had mentioned, you know, we were talking about the Merrimack schedule. They're getting playing Tuesday uh, against Holy Cross. The Tuesday, Thursday, Monday, <laughs> Wednesday schedule for Merrimack's weird enough, but again, playing at 4 p.m. Merrimack time on Tuesday. I, I just, I don't, I don't understand. And the fact that it's all going back to Friday, Saturday after 2023 starts, I, I don't. I wouldn't imagine there's some sort of building facility issue. I, I just don't get just it. And the CHN, it. the CHN, the uh, CHN podcast that that I mentioned earlier, one of the guys on it is like the Miramac beat writer, and you'd think, I mean, he's and he's brought it up too, like, oh, I love this schedule because that means I can watch a bunch of non-conference games. I can go to the games that I cover, but that's during these weird off times, so I can catch a lot of the other action. But he. I don't, he hasn't really explained why I, there just, there needs to be a, a reason here. I don't, I don't understand the times much less the days of the week. So, but that'll give me an opportunity probably at work tomorrow to fire up some Miramac Holy Cross action there you go. Uh, during my break. So I guess I'll cheer on the fact that I have that opportunity, but again, scratching my head as to why. Uh, well, we do have, granted, we will still have a show next week, uh, but, you know, that Tuesday tilt, that Connecticut Miramac game, I mean, that's penciled on my calendar, so. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, most of the questions, uh, we were able to, uh, answer throughout our uh banter here throughout the show um you know we talked about ncw's tournament selection how many people how many teams we think we're going to be able to get in um alex fern question here uh do you think the team scores more or less shorthanded goals than last season now last season i don't know if you remember i did kind of jinx micah miller because i did predict he would have more shorthanded goals than oh man was it hardigan think so so i think that's what it was yep i think i think i went i think i went in on that that prediction too and, and then i don't I, think he, he scored another shorty he after scored another shorty afterwards so 
you know, Alex, you're really putting us on the spot here because uh, I would imagine then, you know, it's if it doesn't work out, then yeah, it's clearly our fault. But um, you know, last year we ended up with ten. Right now we have five. Uh, in, with uh, on pace with on pace to to, with, to best that with uh, uh, Brendan Bushy's snipe. So not not many yeah, people can get snipe a couple more of those. Feet, so right. We can get a couple more of those two hoppers. Yeah. Um, maybe we will be able to to beat it. Uh, it's a, it's just it's a tough thing to to predict, but but I think be, because of guys like Miller, Brookshank, these are guys that have that that are you know that that'll play on the sh- uh, on the penalty kill and that have a history of doing this kind of thing. So. I certainly would not be shocked if they surpassed 10. Like I said, we're, they're already halfway there and we're not halfway through the season yet. So do I go out on a limb and call it? Eh, it's, it's hard. It's, it's one of those things that's hard to predict, but Hey, they're on pace. So I'll go with, yeah, let's, I'll, I'll say they get 11. Yeah. And I bet you Miller will lead the way among the, the those goal scorers. And I think, I mean, if memory, now I have to double check, but I believe Miller only has one this season. Um, I think that's right. Which, uh, you know, is a little bit surprising considering, A, how many he had last weekend, but B, how many chances I thought he's had as well. Um, Well, that's the thing. Because I think it was last year when he scored like his first one or two. I'm just like... God, he just he does this every season. And I looked and he hadn't gotten any shorties prior to last year. Which is like, what well, was mind boggling? I'm like, what? But the thing is, it's like every game he's got a shorthanded breakaway, it seems mm-hmm. like. Or like once every other game. He's just he has chances every single game, seemingly. So it's deceiving that he doesn't score more because of the amount of chances that he has. So that'll get that's that gives me the more reason or more optimism that they will break that 10 mark this year, because if he's only got one shorty so far this year, then yeah, there's, there's more in the bag. I think this year for him. Yep. And that, um, that one, if I remember correctly, that breakaway that was against Western Michigan, um, that brought the game within three to two. That was during the five minute major. Yep, exactly. So, that's... And there's ways too that some of these, but, like you can get like a shorty, like with the, you know, as an empty netter, oh, yeah, a shorty, I mean, empty netter. like you can get some cheap ones. <laughs> like they don't have to all be highlight reel type goals. <laughs> we just have to play Wisconsin. The, uh, Brandon Bushy. <laughs> that's right. So. Yeah, the Bushy play, obviously that's not going to lead off sports center, but uh, it was a shorty. Crookshake, Cronulla, Miller, Bushy, and a Sean all have shortening the goal. That's a good spread. So who are you going to cover when we're shorthanded? That's right. So uh, last season, four, like we said, for Miller, uh, Fitzgerald, Cronulla, Kupka, Trayball, Ludke, and Brand. Pretty so. random assortment of players there. Exactly. So... um. And then last uh, question, uh, last couple of questions here uh, we had was about uh, World Cup, as that 
kicked off today. Um, you know, I I enjoy soccer. Um, Andrew, are you even a big soccer fan? I guess I don't even know. If the bar is no, involved I, in soccer, are you in, uh, involved? Do you do you like? I could see myself. Yeah, I, I just have not been in that situation before. I, I've given soccer multi, you know, several chances. I've watched I don't know dozen games and big ones too, like the World Cup final or what is it, the UEFA. Um, I, I it's not like I'm just watching random MLS games. Like I've, mm-hmm. I'm seeming if the ones that I'll watch are generally the the big the big ones. Sure. I just have never quite gotten into it. I, I feel like I just don't have the bandwidth anymore. Like I, when I was young, when I was like late nineties, I was watching, I watched every Wolves game. I watched every Vikings game. I watched every, I was, this is before wild even. So I was watching all like the ESPN hockey games that That's they would a, put on there. It's a lot of, now losses. I'm just, I'm, I'm basically down to baseball and hockey. Like I, I really don't follow football all that much. Don't, don't really follow the NFL at all. I, I'll follow college. Like I went to the, Arizona football game this this past week, the first one of, of those that I've went to. But um but I only kind of dabble in, in, in that and I don't really follow basketball much. Again, I I'd like to make it like Arizona's right here in town, so mm-hmm. I, I do want to make it to one of their games, but don't follow it just as much as I just don't have the I just kind of narrow down my sports interests, you know, and I, I get really into baseball and I get really into hockey. Sure. And I think that's kind of the bandwidth that I have. So I, I don't, I'm not a huge soccer guy, but um, I'm sure I'll kind of come across the, uh, the results and, and follow it that way. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, I think the U S tied, they tied Wales, today, I believe as, as, as we're recording on, yeah. uh, on Monday. Yeah. They, uh, they, they dominated the first half and then, uh, second half was a little more in Wales and, you know, we were up one, nothing after the first, and then they got a, a penalty, penalty kick goal. Gareth Bale, who has won like everything, um, was able to, uh, convert on the penalty kick, make it one, one. And that was kind of like the big, like really for, you, you need a win, like a win and a tie really to kind of get out of the group stage at a minimum and this was kind of the one game was like okay if you win against wales and you know maybe a tie against iran and you're gonna lose against england it's kind of how people thought it was gonna go maybe a win against iran but that iran series is gonna or the game you know against iran they're gonna play wales and they're gonna play u.s you know those games are magnified so much i think england obviously was going to run away with the group even though they're not even really that good they're just i think a little bit better um than uh the united states as far as trying to get like hockey fans involved in it first off i think they've done a great job with um you know getting the premiership games over here and accessible on nbc and and getting those games you know, in, in front of people on Saturday morning and, you know, to treat it the way that they do, I thought was an excellent step because there is that huge skill difference between MLS and, um, you know, the top flights in the English, English premier La Liga, uh, league one, you know, anything along those lines. So it's, you know, I, I, I think it's just going to take time for, 
and we're starting to see more and more of Americans that are playing over in Europe. And I think just more success is going to take more eyes on it to get more people involved. And I think we're finally getting towards the right step. I do think MLS is doing a pretty good job. I think it could do a little bit better, but I don't know how everything is going to work out now that all of their games are going to be streaming next year. So on Apple TV, which is kind of, uh, you know, and it's a little bit pricey of a, of a, of a, of a program, but they're not doing any blackouts, which is nice. So, well, we'll kind of see how that shakes up. But I think the main thing that hurts MLS is that they don't have a relegation system like they do in Europe. You know, if they have a system where, you know, promotion and relegation, I think, I think that would draw a lot more eyes. Um, you know, they just, I think Europe kind of looks over at that league and be like, why are you like, if you can't get kicked out of the league, what's the point of playing? <laughs> like, you know, who's going to be, it's the, it's the Atlantic hockey of, of soccer. Yeah. A really. um, couple of questions. Um, you mentioned, uh, ties, uh, are ties and shootouts, how do ties and shootouts in the world cup affect the pairwise? Okay. Um, and number yeah. two and number two, you said that U S is playing whales. I thought that we're playing people. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I thought, I thought you were going to go with, I thought we were playing a real country because, because uh, both I think are acceptable, but yeah, exactly. And, and, and Iran. Yeah. I know there's a lot of running in soccer, <laughs> but. All right, that, that's it for the dad jokes. And see. So. But do tell me off off air, uh, explain the pairwise in, in the World Cup to me. Just give me the, the primer for that. Yeah, well. It, that'd, be, that'd be helpful. It, it has to do with the amount it's of It's just the first game here, so can I look, can I look at the pairwise Scored after World, World stoppage time, but, you know, before the end whistle, they count double. So it can, and it's then it's like two thirds of a win. Is there like yep. a 55 45? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's basically the same as college. Hockey. It's basically the same, but you know, we got to make sure that we win our comparisons over any, anyone, but anyway, I, I really butchered that ending on that. I'm sorry. Probably just best work on it. Yeah. Probably. Just, we can edit that out. Yeah, Magic of editing. Yeah, uh, probably just end the podcast now. Oh, that about does her uh, for this episode. Um, you know, of course, we don't have a we game to preview. As, as we and, normally did. Yeah, we go just as long as we normally did. So. Babbling and babbling and babbling. <sighs> well, that's um, for uh, Wally and Andrew. Uh, thanks for listening. And until next time, go Huskies. Woo!